Welcome to the Mindful Dietitian interview series. I'm Fiona Sutherland, dietitian from Melbourne, Australia and director of the Mindful Dietitian. Please join me as I interview dietitians from all over the world who are experts in health at every size, the non-diet approach and mindfulness-based practice. These are a collection of interviews by a dietitian for dietitians and nutritionists so that we can build a strong community of wonderful professionals who share an inclusive vision of well-being for everybody in everybody. Thanks so much for joining me. Hi everyone and welcome back to this next episode of the Mindful Dietitian podcast. It's wonderful to have you here today. So what we've done this episode is something a little different and something a little special because a while ago I had the great pleasure and privilege of hosting a student dietitian called Darcy Youngblood for the week with me. Darcy was a final year dietetic student at my local university, Deakin University, where I do um, plenty of teaching in eating disorders, body image, counselling skills health at every size, all that kind of stuff. And so I've known Darcy for quite a number of years now and very willingly when she reached out and said, could I do my student placement with you? Uh, I said, absolutely, yes, because uh, Darcy is a bit of a haze legend if I do say so myself. And I'm very excited for her future as she just has this fierce commitment towards making the world a better place, which is just fantastic. So in this first episode, we talked a bit about um, a resource that Darcy developed during her week with me. What she did was she took the um, trans-theoretical model of behaviour change, um, Prochaska and De Clementi's very well-known uh, stages of change model, and she turned this into a resource to help support fellow student dietitians and nutritionists around the process of change and coming to understand more about health at every size. It's a very clever resource and that will be attached to this episode as a download if you would like to take a look. Um, and I just thought it was a very clever way to develop a way of understanding health at every size and non-diet approach through a very well-known model of um, psychological uh, behaviour change. So um, one other thing that I am super excited about is just today I pressed publish on my new online eating disorders for sports dietitians course. So this has been recorded all in collaboration with Sports Dietitians Australia. So thank you so much SDA for your support and also um, in partnership with Shane Jeffrey, who is our health at every size eating disorder uh, dietitian colleague from Brisbane. So we are half excited and half kind of nervous to press publish um, on this course that we have poured so much time and energy into and um, and if so if you're interested in that you can find more information on that um, on the mindful dietitian website which is www.themindfuldietitian.com.au so let's just get straight into the podcast so this is the first of two with Darcy Youngblood and next episode she's going to be interviewing me. So uh, yes, that will be another hopefully quite interesting one. So thank you so much for being here and uh, hope you enjoy this episode. Bye. 
Hi, so I'm sitting here with my almost graduated student dietitian Darcy. We've spent most of the week together um, uh, talking about everything, health at every size, non-diet approach. Body image, eating disorders, insert interesting conversation here. So we've had a, we've had a really fun time. We've been um, seeing some clients together. We spent some time at the Australian Ballet School earlier in the week with the older teenagers. Uh, we've been, yeah, we've been having some adventures this week, having some coffees, you know how it is. And um, so I thought it might be really fun for Darcy and I to sit down together this afternoon. It's our last day together. Boohoo. And just to have a bit of a chat about, you know, what it's like being a student when you, um, when you, uh, I guess, when you associate with being health at every size and non-diet approach aligned. Um, and, and to hear a little bit from Darcy about, you know, um, how she kind of stumbled across health at every size and, and what that's meant as a student and then maybe her hopes and dreams for the future. So I'm just going to put you completely on the spot here, Darcy, <laughs> and ask you, ask you to explain to me a little bit about, you know, how you first heard of, like what were the first words that you heard about that you now know as health at every size or non-diet or wh whatever words they were? Yep. Um, thank you for having me uh, today. Uh, I guess when I think of health at every size, the first thing that kind of pops into my mind is back in my undergrad. So I obviously did a nutrition undergrad and I didn't know anything about health at every size to begin with. And then I think we stumbled across the health at every size Facebook page, me and a couple of my nutrition um, buddies. Um, and we did not understand it at all. Um, we were very much like, oh, there's a lady on here and she's eating Tim Tams and she's saying that it's healthy. And we had a very, very, now that I look back on it, a very naive view of what health at every size was. But that was kind of the first time I'd ever heard of it and I hadn't heard of anything even remotely similar to that um, before that. So, yeah. Interesting. So your kind of first foray was through a Facebook group where you were able to observe lots of, real humans in that group kind of grappling with lots of ideas around health and their body and their relationship with food and that would have been pretty I can imagine pretty full-on in lots of ways yeah definitely like we um you know we read through it and I had quite a big search into it and I was reading things and some things really resonated with me and some things I really didn't understand so there was parts of it which made me go oh this is interesting you know, these people are saying they can be healthy and they're not dieting or they're not losing weight. Um, and I was like, oh, that's really interesting. And body image is something I've always been passionate about. I've always been very body positive, but at the same time, now that I look back, how could I have been when I was very, I guess, weight centric? Mm -hmm. um, but I think it was, yeah, this that confrontation of thinking, oh, this is a completely different way of thinking. And I didn't really think about that before. Mm -hmm. And all of the study in nutrition, obviously, there's doing, going through undergrad, like I love science and I love um, all of the physiology and pathophysiology and all of that kind of thing. And I guess in a nutrition undergrad, a lot of that is then linked to then weight loss. And it is kind of mm -hmm. like you study all of this very intense and, you know, hard science and then 
the answer is okay, but everyone needs to lose weight now. So that is the issue. That is the answer to all of these kind of comorbidities and all of these problems. And I always kind of questioned that, but then I also didn't really understand anything <laughs> at that point. So yeah, I was very confused. I mean, but that would be normal and natural, wouldn't it? Is, you know, that you've come from this highly kind of intellectualized environment where, and particularly if you're, if you love the science and you love, you know, quote unquote facts, mm. you know, and, and now, you know, when you, when you look through the haze lens, it's like, oh, we can't kind of, we can't kind of stick our stake in the ground in anything in particular, really. Mm. Um, and especially as, you know, nutrition science is so baby, really, mm. and so young. Um, you know, and so that, that sense of confusion, like looking back would have been a really natural part of that process of starting to question, question things. So I'm, I'm curious, are you like personality wise, would you say that you're a natural kind of questioner? Do you tend to question things or you, do you tend to more just assume that, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm definitely a questioner. I'm definitely someone who... I listen to what other people have to say and I like finding out information, but I've always got questions. I'm always wondering why and how that works and why does that do that and how can that possibly be true kind of mindset, I guess. So I definitely don't let things um, go. So if I hear something and I don't think it's right, I generally look into it. So that's what I did. <laughs> yeah, that's actually, that's, so, so it was potentially part of your natural kind of, personality that led you to not make assumptions that a weight centric paradigm was kind of the truth and yet you didn't have anything else did you mm. but it sounded as if there was something about that paradigm that was not sitting 100 percent right yeah oh definitely and i guess um that's personal experience as well you know i um a lot of my parents to bits, but they were always on different fat diets um, all the time, all throughout my childhood, and so was I. Like, I went into nutrition thinking I knew everything. You know, I'd lost weight on a high-protein diet. What are all these people doing? This is so easy. We can all lose weight. I don't know what, you know, this sounds, this is so simple. Um, and obviously the more, the less you know, the more you think you know, and then the more you yeah. find out, yeah. um, the more you realise you don't know. Yeah, so, so I definitely true. have come from that, that space. I saw a graph once and it was like the less you know, and the more you think, you know, and then it just resonated with me so much now because I think back then I thought I knew everything um, and I obviously didn't. But, yeah, I think definitely the more you know, the more you realise you don't know. It's probably the theme to that. Yeah, also I, I love that graph too. And then the more you actually know, the less you feel like you know. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's, I mean, this is evidenced by, we're actually sitting in our office and this is evidenced by my bookshelf full <laughs> completely full of books on eating disorders and therapy and um, body image and uh, yoga and ugh, it's full and there gets this thirst for learning you know when you realize actually what I have already been exposed to is such a tiny proportion of what will help me work with humans and also I mean you, you kind of make a good point where you when you're basing your assumptions um, uh, on your own experience and then extrapolating that to the whole kind of essentially the whole wide world um, we can kind of land ourselves in a bit of hot water yeah can't we? that's um that's probably the basis of every fad diet ever what works mm. for me is going to work for everybody else so i think yeah it definitely can land you in hot water in a lot of ways mm.
I'm curious to to know how on your placements, which have been you know fairly recently, mm -hmm. um, what kind of opportunities did you find on your placements, even if they were not had nothing to do with you know um, you know health at every size or non diet approach? What kind of opportunities did you have to think about the human experience through that lens? Oh, one thing pops to mind straight away. Actually, I had a client. Um, on my clinical placement and she was struggling with um, cancer mm -hmm. and she was living in a larger body and you know when I was speaking to her we were speaking about high energy high protein you know fueling her body through this journey she was going through treatment um, you know such a hard time for her and she turned around and said oh but I'm, I'm fat like I don't need more energy and I just thought oh my god that's so so wrong like you need that energy to fuel you through this treatment your body deserves to be fueled you're not gonna um you're not going to get through it without it and um you know i didn't say that to her that was internally that internal panic mm -hmm. but i did manage to speak to her a little bit more about you know at this at this point in time your body needs this energy and it's doing such a hard job getting you through this you know we need to fuel it and treat it um like it is it's doing a hard a hard task and i think um and, you know, she's like, oh, but when I finish, kind of lose weight. And uh, that just made me think, like, this poor lady, she's been through, you know, mm. chemo, radiation, cancer, and she's still thinking about afterwards if she's going to be able to lose weight. Mm -hmm. And that made me think, wow, that's, there's something wrong. If, she's, if people can't realise that how amazing your body is to be able to get you through something and that mm. type of trauma mm. and you're still thinking about your weight, mm -hmm. yeah, I think... There's a, there's a lot of things in a lot of situations like that where I definitely view things a little bit differently now from kind of a health at every size perspective because mm. now when people say things like, oh, I need to lose weight to get healthy, I don't automatically go, oh, yeah, yep, yeah, that's right, you know, that you're going to be healthier when you lose weight. I think of it from a completely different perspective and like, oh, why can't you, why can't we work on being healthy now? Like, mm -hmm. why do we have to wait until you've lost x kilos or mm -hmm. that kind of mentality i think and yeah it's different looking at it from the other side definitely from where i came from <laughs> oh for sure and i think it's um you know obviously your your questioning nature that has mm. kind of allowed you to source information and education and you know that's how we kind of got to know each other because you took the initiative to reach out to people who were already in this space that you were you know, becoming more and more curious about and which landed you here, yeah. <laughs> literally here, yeah. um, you know, and, and, you know, accelerating towards what I'm sure will be an enormously successful career as well. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, so one thing that Darcy has done this week, which has been just so impressive is she's actually developed this amazing, like, information sheet that's designed for student dietitians is that fair to say yeah yeah designed for students essentially yeah. or for or any, nutritionists or and nutritionists mm. yes yes we, we we love nutritionists and we love anybody kind of studying well we love anybody studying well we love everybody yeah um we're fully inclusive here at um at camp feed dust <laughs> um so so Darcy has developed this really awesome information sheet, which I will um, attach to this so you can download it and take a look at it. And um, one aspect that of this information sheet that I really, really, really liked, and I thought we might just kind of 
walk our way through it, is um, Darcy divided up the stages of change model and gave examples about what this might sound like um, if you were kind of where you're at along the path to understanding health at every size. I thought that was actually just really clever. So for those of you who um, are not super familiar with stages of change, it's a, it's a model that was developed quite a long time ago, actually, um, by two psychologists called, or behaviour therapists perhaps, um, called uh, Di Clemente and Prochaska. And really what it is is it describes um, stages, the stages that um, that we go through as humans um, which navigate the inevitable maybe dilemmas and conflicts and difficulties between, um, you know, it, it, a lot of it describes behaviour change, but not only that, I see it a lot in changes in maybe beliefs or attitudes or it can kind of describe any mode of change. It describes the shifts in change. And there's um, five distinct parts of it. So stage one is what we would call um, pre-contemplation. And then stage two is contemplation. Stage three is called preparation. Stage four is action. And then stage five is maintenance. Now the interesting thing about the stages of change it is it is that it is not a linear model so it doesn't kind of go from left to right or right to left or up to down whatever you like to say. It also doesn't work in a cyclical fashion either so it doesn't loop around <laughs> loop around in any way shape or form. It is a non-linear, it's actually kind of a messy, <laughs> if you think about it in human terms, it's actually really messy. This change, change is messy. Let's put it that way. So we're not thinking about it as stage one, stage two, stage three. It's like, I mean, if, if I think about any of my clients, often folks might come to me in contemplation and then maybe they stay there for quite a long time, actually, particularly when it comes to health at every size and introducing the non-diet approach model. Um, and then they might move more into contemplation and, um, you know, we'll talk a bit more about that. And then they might move back, you know, um, move into preparation, maybe a little bit of action, Oop, back to preparation, maybe even back to contemplation again when their best friend starts dieting and then into preparation, etc., etc. So what I'm describing here, again, is not a linear model um, and it's kind of messy, but that's the human experience of change. So what Darcy and I are going to do is maybe just have a little chitty chat through each, um, each of the stages and we'll just have to think about, you know, what each stage might sound like if you are a student or if you are new to Health at Every Size as a dietitian. Um, and then it, what we'd like you to do at the same time as you're listening to us is to think about what this might sound like from your client. You know, what might, what might my client be telling me that indicates to me that they're in stage of change for example contemplation because the reason why that is really helpful is because if we are trying to drag somebody through because we think they're in action but actually their words are telling us that they're in contemplation then we're actually not only not going to be helpful we could actually be quite unhelpful or even harmful we could easily lose 
lose them as a client and said, I mean, I've got, I, I, I can name you quite a few clients who I misread the cues, you know, and um, kind of were accelerating them quicker than they were able to go. So let's start off with pre-contemplation. So often called denial. <laughs> so, so as a dietetic student, let's, let's stick with that for the minute. What might pre-contemplation sound like if you are a dietetic student? Um, what the hell is this? <laughs> um, this does not sound right. Um, just pretty much not understanding at all and being like, what is this? Like, that doesn't make any sense. You oh, can't be healthy at every size, yeah, Darcy. Exactly. How can, you, <laughs> how can you be healthy at every size? That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And oh, I, can, I can totally resonate with people who's, who think like that because I... Exactly thought like that hundred percent and that's why I guess I can understand the stages because I've done them all and I think everybody has as well you know I don't think a lot of the time you go straight from hearing about something and then going oh yeah that sounds great I'm done I'm ready that's, <laughs> that's the way that I want to be um but yeah pre-contemplative is definitely that I don't understand that doesn't make sense that goes against everything that I've learnt stage I would yes. probably say yeah absolutely the the fingernails down the blackboard this doesn't th this lies in complete opposition not opposition but you know there's this is very different it sounds very different to everything and therefore it is so far from my reality and my version of quote-unquote the truth that actually I'm going to outright reject it oh yeah definitely Mm -hmm. okay and we both know people who are like that oh yeah definitely yeah and, and there are a lot of people in the community and a lot of our even um dietitians dietetic colleagues etc etc it's like this is so far from my truth and and it makes me deeply uncomfortable to even contemplate this so speaking of contemplation <laughs> <laughs> so when we're when we're thinking more about contemplation what might this sound like well it sounds a bit like yeah, this sounds okay, but what about science? Science, okay, it doesn't make sense. Think about the science, and that's where contemplation is, where you think, you know, oh, that sounds great, health at every size. It sounds like a nice concept, you know, we'd all like to be healthy at every size. Um, but what about the science? Science doesn't say that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Actually, kind of science is incredibly supportive of health at every mm -hmm. size, which is, which is on our side. Which yeah. is amazing. So when people say to me, but research, but science, I'm like, oh my gosh, you are, you are going to be my best friend because if you actually do look at the science and do look at the research, then, you know, th there's, there's so much to be discussed about what is missing from the data. What are we not seeing? What are we not taking into account in terms of how we understand quote unquote health? Like what is, health and you know how do we define it and and when we're defining um you know when, when we're when we have our, our definitions narrowed down by weight and uh, and numbers unfortunately we just don't get the full picture so i love science i'm a total science geek and um you know science leads me to you know down the road of non-diet which is amazing um so contemplation is really that stage where we understand a bit about it. We might be we might be somewhat curious, but highly questioning as well. But 
a lot of it sounds nice but yeah essentially definitely okay so um preparation so if we're in more of the preparation stage what might that sound like um i think it's a little bit of that aha moment um so that oh wow diets really don't work and the research really doesn't support telling everybody to lose weight and that'll fix all of their health problems um and it's the preparation stage is yeah looking more into things and going yeah a lot more aha moments and reading into things and getting a lot more involved Mm -hmm. So what you're essentially saying is that, you know, the preparation stage is maybe where you start to reach out to the community and where you might look for like-minded um, students or like-minded um, dietitians that are already doing the work. Um, preparation, I guess, might be where you might look at how you, uh, how you could find out more. You know, it might be looking up looking up the research or it might be um, reading articles or it might be signing up for newsletters or it might be joining Facebook groups or following um, people on Instagram or, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, um, preparation is really a time when we're, when we are gathering all the tools that we need that we feel like might round out our picture of what we understand. Yeah, yeah, cool. Um, and preparation is actually, especially when it comes to our understanding of health at every size and non-diet approaches, preparation is an extremely important stage. And I think for lots of students and for lots of dietitians, lots of humans in particular, it potentially is the longest stage. Um, because, you know, it takes a lot, it can take a lot for us to, a lot of time and energy to reassure ourselves that it's okay to change our minds and it's okay to explore and just be curious about something that might be new or that there's elements of it that might not make sense or then you might feel like there are exceptions or, you know, but this, but this, but this. So there, there might be quite a bit of toing and froing maybe between contemplation and preparation. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that that's completely natural. Definitely. I think a lot of um, dietetics students in particular are probably sitting around the preparation stage. Um, I know a lot of people that I've spoken to, they like the concept and they understand the science, but they are in that to and fro kind of stage. Mm -hmm. So I definitely think that's where a lot of people do sit in preparation. They're not ready to act on it. They're not ready to, I guess, be a non-diet dietitian. Right. But they acknowledge it and they can see the value in it, but they're not ready to kind of, they're kind of just sitting in the preparation stage. I yeah. Think. Yeah. Which is, which is great. Actually, we, mm, we need, awesome. we need lots of people in preparation because if you're um, feeling curious and you're feeling like, you know, there's a lot about this that makes sense. Um, but then there's still a bit of mismatch somewhere with, you know, your previous experience or, um, you know, certainly um, maybe your, the education that you've accumulated through your university training, um, then, you know, it, it's completely fair and great to really take your time. Remembering that this is not an all or nothing thing. You know, you're not kind of in it or out. It's yeah. not like a, some kind of exclusive club. Um, but, uh, well, my experience is, is that the more I the more I have read and immersed myself in the community, the more the more comfortable I have been with, you know, just really sinking into this way of being with 
all my clients. So there's no kind of exceptions to to the rule that you know it comes from a place of compassionate care and um, non-prescriptive nutrition and um, you know compassion-based um, care and etc cetera, etc. Cetera. So um, all right. So um, next stage would be action where we're like right <laughs> let's go yeah so the action stage is the i'm practicing and i'm listening stage so you're putting you know what you've learned and your i guess beliefs and what you've your kind of change of mind you're putting that into practice so you're not only aligning with health at every size and on diet approach you're actually using that within your practice mm-hmm. yeah and do you think that action yeah, action's a very much a practicing kind of phase, isn't it? You know, um, and I think a lot with health at every size is understanding the language to be using. You know, what does it sound like when I am, um, you know, speaking with somebody about the principles, for example? What are the actual words I use, um, and how can I construct a a really effective conversation with somebody when they are very much steeped in diet mentality and kind of a, a weight centric, you know, narrative. That's what they've come to me for. Yeah. Um, and, and that we're practicing using the words and we're also practicing being more confident, I guess, you know, that this is something that we want to be doing. This is a way we want to be practicing and that we don't need to get tossed around in the waves of what other people want us to do and I think that requires some confidence and some time yeah I think action as well um, speaks to the ability to advocate for health at every size and non-diet approach within even if it's not with a client even if you're not comfortable practicing with you know your clients coming to you a hundred percent but you're talking within your team about the way that you're approaching things and maybe you know talking to others about the concepts and you're really advocating for it and speaking about it. I think that can be action as well, even if you're not, you know, being a dietitian, practicing in that non-diet approach, there's other ways to be doing action, I guess. <laughs> yeah, there's tons of, I mean, there's there's tons of ways, little, little and, and big, really. I mm. mean, it's not like unless we um, uh, pitch for government. Yeah. But, you know, exactly. that is, you know there, are, there are little ways to advocate, you know, um, there is, you know, media work and there is letter writing and there is, you know, larger public health kind of approaches. But there are also, you know, in the small conversations, there is advocacy in small conversations in the in the way that you speak within your client, for example, or the way you're speaking with your peers or, like you say, taking opportunities um, at meetings or in, you know, case discussions where you're um, practising being a little more confident I guess and and stepping up a little bit more um and I guess you know some of the dilemmas around advocacy in action are that um are that you know when we when we're challenged um how that can feel and what that does to our confidence as well and um and getting the support that we need to be able to um to speak up when it's appropriate and at the same time you know that it won't always be best for us and our clients to speak up. Mm, you know, yeah. sometimes being very, very thoughtful about when, how, with whom, how much, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. Um, and understanding the difference between silence being a form of collusion with weight-centric and diet culture, and silence 
or quietness being a way that we can just protect our own energy levels. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. and, and I think that's probably just the wisdom to know the difference in that old phrase. Um, yeah, because that's what I would always say is it's not quote unquote the right thing to do to always be speaking up. Mm, we don't have the energy or the person is not willing to listen or they are so steeped in, you know, weight centric um, rhetoric themselves that you're thinking, I just can't even go there. Mm, yeah. I guess, yeah, and you have to respect they're not even on the scale of change, you know. They're pre they're off the. They're not even near pre-contemplative. They're <laughs> hanging out on the other side of the scale. So yeah. I guess you've got to respect that as well. Um, even when you want to advocate and you want to be action and going with, you know, your little flag, but some people don't <laughs> want to, unfortunately, and that's okay. That's yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, right? yeah. I mean, you're going to perhaps be more thoughtful if you notice somebody is in. A, a colleague or a, or a client or, um, you know, a, a, a somebody who's interviewing you, for example, if somebody is in um, contemplation, if you're picking, not, not so much picking up the vibe, but if they, if what they say or how they are phrasing some questions or a conversation, if it's indicating you that they've got some kind of something on board or something's telling them that, you know, even if it says, kind of quote unquote as simple as diets don't work, then what that does is it opens the door mm. for us to be able to um, give them a few little pieces of information that if they then choose, they can go read read more about, discover more about, you know, and that or, or talk to you about it. Yeah. So um, you know, the difference between having a conversation with somebody in pre-contemplation is very different to having it conversation with somebody in contemplation or preparation for sure in terms of how we use our energy yeah definitely and I think realizing how much what you say will will not affect someone but will they will take away with even if it's not at this point in time like I think back now when I had a lecture with a really great dietitian who came in and spoke to us about weight cycling and he drew this little graph and it was amazing and at that time I thought it was amazing but I didn't realize how great it was that he was coming in and talking to us about that I didn't even think about it and then now that I reflect on it I'm like wow you know that could have been that was really instrumental in where, how far I've come on kind of this journey well I don't want to say the word journey but on this adventure um so yeah I think realizing that although maybe people aren't as receptive they still might take something away and then reflect on it afterwards and be like oh actually and it gets you thinking definitely so so nothing is ever going to be a waste of time yeah exactly you just got to be thoughtful of your own and considerate of your own energy levels and how much and who and yeah when and definitely all that kind of stuff yeah that's awesome um and then i guess the you know maintenance is more you know what would that what would that sound like um more i'll never go back so <laughs> <laughs> maintenance is you know you might sway between your preparation action stages and your maintenance stage but maintenance is really that you're wanting to learn more and you're pretty solid in you know, you want to maintain this way of thinking and, yeah, I guess that's, yeah, you don't want to go back to being quite biased and weight-centric. Yeah. So um, in, in maintenance stage, I guess the most important aspects of this is really cultivating community and mm. having support people around you um, because, you know, we all live in this culture and it would be 
really, really fair to say that, you know, there are going to be times for us too when we might feel uncomfortable in our own bodies for whatever, you know, for a variety of reasons or also that we, we um, you know, come from families that are still really weight-centric and constantly having diet conversations. Darcy's rolling her eyes in front of me. Or that, you know, we have friends or, you know, or we have colleagues. So, or we read a research paper that's like, uh-oh. <laughs> Do you know yeah. what I mean? So I think that um, having that community around you strengthens your resilience. I think that's probably what it is, resilience against um, the inevitable sways of the world in which we live. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, we too want to live um, as well as we can be, mm. remembering that well is extremely varied um, for each individual um, and that, you know, having that support around us just helps us to, yeah, maintain a sense of, of resilience and, um, and also connection and belonging and all those things that are so important to us as humans. Yeah, definitely. And I think in the maintenance stage, like, it's okay to get things wrong and, you know, to realise, you know, maybe have a terrible consult with a client and go, oh, what have I done? That was so Let bad. Let me fuck that one yeah, up. Yeah, <laughs> like, oh, that was um, not the way that I wanted it to go and, you know, I didn't get my little piece in there. But yeah. I guess it's being compassionate with yourself and, you're, you know, everyone's still learning and it's okay to make mistakes and it's all right to, um, it's all right to question your beliefs as well because it, it's healthy to be able to go, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Maybe that maybe I was on the wrong track, but then you go back and you read and you kind of yeah, you go back to the other stages and you come back. So maintenance is really just revisiting stages and coming back, I guess. Yeah, I, I think so. I think and also um, you know, the different aspects of health at every size, remembering that it is rooted in social justice mm. as well. So it's not just about health behaviours. If we ignore um, particularly the, the experience of um, fat folks and marginalised folks and how health at every size, the history of health at every size, um, is rooted solidly in social justice. So, um, you know, for me, the social justice, I, I kind of come from a family where social justice was really, was really important, but I didn't see how it connected with my dietetic work at all until, you know, maybe eight, nine, ten years ago. And I was like, oh, this has got a lot to do with actually nourishment and how we feed ourselves and what's available to people and, and stigma and, and equity and all those, you know, kind of social justice words <laughs> um, and what it's got to do with being a dietitian, especially working in, in quite diverse um, populations. So I think you're absolutely right that, you know, some aspects of non-diet, like, for example, non-prescriptive nutrition, I think for a lot of dietitians that comes quite easily, actually, mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, uh, there are lots of dietitians that are like, it is so boring telling somebody what to eat. Um, and so they're completely in action. Mm. But then maybe when it comes to um, equitable care or self-compassion self towards ourselves 
or um, or understanding the complexities of, for example, weight stigma or any weight bias that we hold within ourselves. I completely agree with you. I think it's I think if we were to break that up into sections, we could be in action in one thing mm. and in completely in preparation in another, Definitely. feeling very um, like a complete novice, you know. So it's um it's a forever learning path. Yeah. It's a learning journey. It's a learning journey. Oh my God, you're one, such of my a dog. Like, one of my lecturers says that. It's really like, funny. Yeah. It's a learning journey. It's a learning journey. It's <laughs> <laughs> such a dietetic student mm, thing to no, say, isn't it? <laughs> Anyone who's done dietetics at Deakin will, will probably have heard. It's a learning journey. A learning journey. I think yeah. life is a learning journey, Darcy. You probably can take that is. with you yes. out into the big wide world. Emotional roller coaster. <laughs> <laughs> That's an understatement. <laughs> Um, okay, so um, in terms of stages of change, do you feel like we've missed anything? Mm, I think there's always going to be you know, stages either side, yes. stages on the top and stages on the bottom. You know, there's so many different, it's very hard to pigeonhole stages, but I guess this is a good a little, a framework, I a guess, framework. but there's obviously going to be other stages you could find yourself in <laughs> absolutely it's more like a you know rather than one dimensional stages is much more three-dimensional like it oh, has yeah. breadth and depth and all kinds of things so um well we hope that you have enjoyed our little chit chat about um dietetic student life and um, the learning journey <laughs> as we're going to call it, and um how you can um, understand your own path to more non-diet approaches and health at every size. So just to round off this kind of little section, um, is there any kind of words of, of wisdom that you would that you would like to pass on for students who are maybe just beginning, you know, their their, their learning journey? Yeah. <laughs> oh God, learning journey is gonna come back to haunt me, isn't it? Right. Um I guess it's okay to question things. <laughs> and it's okay to um to not 100% believe something and then go back and revisit it and be confused and be conflicted. And it's all right when other people have different opinions to you. Like I've had many a discussion and debate with people in my course who are my fantastic friends and like I respect them so much and I, you know, they're great friends and it's okay to have differences in opinion and I think that's something to be very wary of. Yes, um, you may have differences in opinion to people but just respect where they're at and they might not be at the same stage as you are. So... Yeah, mm, that's such good advice. Yeah, so so to keep an open mind and open heart, yeah. keep those conversations going. Yes, and keep talking about it. Yeah, I think it's really great. That's really great advice. Mm. All right. Well, thank you so much for having this chat and um, uh, wishing Darcy all the very, very best. And to all you student dietitians out there, keep keep um, on that learning journey <laughs> and um, keep exploring, keep being curious and look forward to another chat another time. Bye. Well, that's our episode of the Mindful Dietitian interview series for today. Thank you so much to our wonderful guest and to you for listening. I really hope you enjoyed it. Just a reminder that you can find me over on the website www.themindfuldietitian.com.au and please join actually quite a large group of wonderful and enthusiastic dietitians on the closed Facebook group, The Mindful Dietitian. The music you hear is called Happiness from Ben Sound, used under the Creative Commons license. Have a great day, everyone. Mm -hmm.